Hello and welcome to Connected episode 350. It's made possible this week by our sponsors, Pingdom, Smile, and Bombas. My name is Stephen Hackett and I'm joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hello, Stephen Hackett. How are you? I'm good, Federico. How are you today? I am fantastic. Yes. Thank you. Good. We're also joined by Mike Hurley. Hello. Hello. I went, I, we knew we had episode 350 coming up. We don't have anything uh, particular planned for it, except for the fact that it's just an episode. But there was one thing that uh, made me think a couple of days ago. Uh, I was thinking, oh, this must be around the kind of time that we started The Prompt together, because I remember me and Stephen had a podcast before The Prompt called The 512 Podcast which was uh, very imaginatively named. And I remember we <laughs> recorded our final episode at WWDC together. I think at our first WWDC yep, together. 2013. And I remember that the next week after that, we were recording episode one of The Prompt. And so it made me think to go back and take a look and see when was that. Um, and it turns out that we have now since... Well, in three days' time, so on June 19th, we have been uh, working together as a trio for eight years. Eight years. Eight wow. years. So people have been putting up with us for eight years. Eight whole years. Happy anniversary, gentlemen. Thank you. Uh, and I know that, uh, Stephen, you're the anniversary guy. What does it mean in terms of like... Yeah, you've had the most of them. <laughs> <laughs> I looked it up. So this is what I found on the internet. Traditionally, bronze or pottery is what you would get if you were celebrating your eighth wedding anniversary. But in more modern times, linens and lace are also associated with the eighth anniversary. They are four incredibly different things. Yeah, it's like bronze is nice. Pottery is like what your kid makes in art camp. (laughs) Linens or something lacy. I want something lacy. Oh, no. Nah, <laughs> Stephen. Is that kind of anniversary, is it? Look, just because you're recording in the bedroom doesn't mean you gotta get into that kind of mood. <laughs> but I'm, I just, I want the bronze. I just want something bronze. I think bronze is cool. I mean, bronze is bronze, isn't it? But bronze isn't like an element. Bronze is an alloy. It's not like you have a bronze mine, like a like a gold mine. You know, oh. you make bronze. Uh, it's basically, it's like not pure. So Wikipedia tells me 12 to 12.5% tin and often with the addition of other metals such as aluminium, manganese, nickel, or zinc. Bronze. Bronze. It's also a very good word. Like it's a satisfying word to say bronze. Is, okay. Is there a different word in Italian? Bronzo. It's very similar. Bronzo. That's like a good nickname. If if I ever isn't Bronzong a Pokemon? Yes, it is. Um, Probably everything is a Pokemon. Yeah, if I ever were to compete, like in the Olympics, I would mm. actually prefer the bronze medal. You know, the the gold and silver ones. Like, yeah, sure. Like you can get like a like a gold bracelet and a, and a silver bracelet, and it's fine. But a bronze, like, have you ever bought anything bronze? No. You I don't know if I would prefer the bronze medal to the gold medal. I think I would prefer the gold medal. But I would prefer the bronze medal to the silver medal. Because right. the silver medal, you were so close to gold. <laughs> right? At least <laughs> with the bronze medal, you can be like, all right, I'm still in this. You're best of the rest. Yeah, so anyway, eight years. Congrats. Happy anniversary, gents. Um, well done. Yeah, we're doing good. We did it. 
We do have some other follow-up we need to uh, to take care of. First, I want to point people to an episode of Mac Power Users that we did last week, episode 592. Uh, David and I were joined by someone from Apple to talk about shortcuts for Mac. And I was really encouraged by this interview. You know, we spoke some on this show about it too. Apple's done a really good job at bringing shortcuts over to the Mac, but still honoring things like Apple script and shell scripting, things that people are used to on the Mac. And I mean, I just left it so excited about this and, and playing with it on Mac OS Monterey has been really fun, even though it's dev beta one. So it's a little rough. Mm. It's, it's really promising to me that, that Apple brought this over from the iPhone and iPad but in a way that is very Mac-like. And they didn't have to do that, right? They didn't have to make it where AppKit apps could interact with shortcuts. They could have drawn the line at Catalyst, but uh, they didn't. And we've seen over the last couple of days several Mac developers talking about their plans to incorporate with shortcuts. I think I saw uh, Pixelmator Pro the other day, and there have been yeah. a few others. So I think this is this has a very bright future, and... Um, that interview is really interesting. So if you haven't heard MPU great. 592, go check it out. Yeah, no, people should go and listen to it. Uh, Vivek was, I thought, surprisingly open. Yeah. And um, requesting feedback in a way that I feel like mm. you don't typically hear uh, Apple people say. This, it, there was like, it really felt like they were aware of the community that they, he was aware of the community he was talking to and wanting to be a part of it. You know, so I thought it was really great. And it's two really different communities, right? You have Federico's army of shortcuts nerds, mm. and then you have people who have done Apple scripts since 1996, right? And you're trying to merge those into one application. And I think they did it. I think what Stephen's saying is uh, shortcuts are for children and automator is for old people. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. <laughs> yeah. Right? Sure. I'm pretty sure that's what he said. Pretty sure. Federico, you discovered my side business. I We were driving, as I was saying a few minutes ago, on the pre-show for Connected Pro members. So if you missed that, go sign up. Mike, where can people sign up for Connected Pro? GetConnectedPro.co. Perfect. We were driving back from the beach house, and I saw this truck in front of me. And... I immediately recognized something that I thought was just perfect. And I told Silvia, um, grab your phone, take a picture. I'm going to slow down. She was like, why? What, what's going on? And we were on the highway, so I needed to slow down and pull to the right. It was a whole thing. Uh, I was like, we need to take a picture of this truck. And she asked why. Uh, and I said, for Connected. Um, and I saw you, Stephen, driving this truck across Italy. Um, this is your DAC track, right? Uh, it says DAC <laughs> There's an Apple logo with a Q yeah, inside like of it. Time. So I assume so I assume you are the QuickTime slash DAC um, truck driver person in your spare it makes time. Makes sense that they would go together, right? Really, right? I mean, obviously, it, it means that you can listen to lossless music using Apple QuickTime and a DAC, and you're transporting these um, Apple um, DACs uh, in Italy, right, with a truck. Mm -hmm. That is also very dirty. It was a very dirty truck um, that you were driving in Italy. And I, and I thought that was very funny. And I took a picture. Yeah. You, you know, people may think I sound a little bit different this week. It's not that I'm recording in my bedroom because there's construction outside, but it's that I'm uh, at a truck stop in uh, northern Italy trying to get, <laughs> to get a show done. Northern? 
Northern? Why Northern Italy? I don't know. I feel like, do you, you know, think I live in Northern Italy? Well, no, but road. you saw the truck a few days ago, and I'm yeah. still oh, working. So you've been yeah. driving. Right, right. You're yeah. now in Northern Italy, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. See, yes. These are the details that make a story believable. Right, right. Unlike what we said Unlike in the, the snake person, getconnectedpro.co. Uh, yes. What I, I, I would, there's a little detail that I appreciate. Actually, there's two details I appreciate in these images. Oh, go on, go on. Let's see if you picked out what I did. The second one is funny to me because you can clearly see it, Sylvia, taking the photo because you yes. can see you're in the wing mirror. The first one is you blanked out the license plate. Thank you, Michael. I, I appreciate that you, <laughs> that you notice these things. I appreciate You don't want to give like all of Steven's info away. That's right. So be able to track his truck. I used this excellent app for iOS called Unnotable. Oh, so good. It is really good. It's such a great app. I use it all the time. It's, and it has an excellent photos extension, which so yes. few apps do. Yeah, that's what I used. Yeah, I never open the app. I just do it right in photos. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah. App. While we're on uh, Stephen-related follow-up, this Sunday is Hackett Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you remind us what Hackett Day is? It got very confusing. I've forgotten but it's in my calendar. <laughs> it, it's in mine too. <laughs> I think it's something to do with the Hackett number, right? It is. Yes. So I'm connected to 91, the Scrooge McDuck of computers. Mm-hmm. Uh, we revealed the Hackett number, which is the computer per capita figure for my household. Uh, that yes, number yes. is now, speaking of James Thompson in the pre-show, that is now a fixture of PCALC. It's a constant there. And it's celebrated on June 20th. But why? some reason. What's the Hackett number? What is the Hackett number? Maybe that's it. Oh, because the, the Hackett number, computers per capita, as it was set, was 20.6. So that's mm. it. 20th ah, of June. June okay. 20th. Yep, there you go. That's why. I was trying to open PCAL on my phone. Thank you to... Uh, I would like to thank Justin Hamilton in the Discord for uh, not only uh, providing that information, but also the uh, what is my Hackett number calculator, which I'll put in the show notes. And that's where I got it from. Do you guys ever think what it would be like? And I just, I don't know why my brain thinks of these things. Um, maybe just because you mentioned like the date and the calendar. Do you just, do, do you ever think like, what would it be like to design like a new calendar? Like to completely change the way the time is tracked globally. I mean, I have some option. I have some ideas like, if you want. Wh- why are we using the current? Like, isn't it weird that we're using this system, right? At least in some, like, I would say the majority of the Western world has adopted this system, and it's it's got all kinds of weird things about it, like um, leap years, for example. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. It seems very inefficient, and I wonder, mm-hmm. if, like. I kind of want to, I'm kind of, I'm fascinated by this topic and I kind of wonder if like, has anyone, has anyone ever theorized what a completely new calendar would look like? I Like why do, why do we have months? I know example? I've come across stuff like this before. Like I, I'm, I'm sure people have done it. I can tell you one of my initial proposals, if you would like to start, uh, it's to completely abolish time zones. Oh, oh, okay. There's one can- time. One time? One yeah. true time. There's just one time. So like, when it's six o'clock in London, it's six o'clock in Rome. Oh, people are sharing 
people are sharing all kinds of <laughs> links in I don't Discord, even so this is what I will say topic. is if you want to find this stuff go find it on your own I'm worried about some of the places that you could end up getting to by looking at information of people trying to create their own calendars mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I would like to completely abolish time zones and everybody just lives by one time and but you also, just understand wh- what it means contextually for where you are in the world mm. but but like why does a second last a second Mm. <laughs> like is it anywhere in nature that a second is a second i don't know man deep stuff there's reasons i'm sure that elude us but i'm glad we we're talking about calendars because i want to float an idea that i've had and see oh. what people think about it okay so i've been thinking about doing a wall calendar but featuring like apple products like my product photography so like the month of may could be a beautiful photo of an iPod and the month of August could be this beautiful picture of an iMac. Uh, looking into it, it's very intense to get these things made. So if people think uh-huh. that's a good idea, l- let me know on Twitter. So one, yes, is the answer. Yes. Two, you need to mark on it important days in history for Apple. Oh, that's good. Like the Apple holiday calendar. Yeah. So oh, that's like, really good. This is the day the iPod was created, that kind of stuff. That's good. So you can now combine your two loves, your photos of your old computers and your Dev and Think database <laughs> into one project. I'm, I'm putting that in my, in my note about it. This would legit be a very good idea for a Kickstarter campaign. Oh, man. This is the way you would do that. That's a good idea. And then, you know, I think we know a guy who knows a thing or two about printing paper products. So I actually could help you. Um, however, this is if you want to do this, people will want it in January, and so you would want to get started on it incredibly quickly. Yes, I have. I had I already had a task due. Look at mm-hmm. Apple hardware calendar for July first. So I would start that immediately. Uh, I will make it due on Friday, and then we can we can talk about it offline, as the kids say. That's good. Okay, Keep, stay tuned for that. It's a great idea. Hey, no one can steal it. Yeah, that's right. We talked about it. You can't steal this now. Don't Copyright, do Stephen. That's right. <laughs> That's how that works. Yeah, this is how it works, right? We say it on a podcast. It's now our own thing. And if you mm-hmm. try to steal the day, we're going to sue you. We're going to use we One True John. One True John will come back. And David Sparks. And can, David Sparks, they imagine will team that up. Duo? Whoa, <laughs> you don't want to mess with them too. You know? Vicious lawyers they are. Those two guys walking into, walking into a, a court? Mm, no, no, no. When they're together, they only walk in slow motion. Yeah. The rest of the world carries on like normal. (laughs) Just the two of them. (laughs) (laughs) When they're next to each other, it's just slow motion. You know, I a couple years ago I walked around Chicago with those two. Took ages. (laughs) It took a long time. (laughs) (laughs) They're just walking very slowly. Not because they're Stevens in regular speed and they're just in half speed. That's right. That's right. Beat studio buds are real. Do you want the deets? I want the deets on the beats, bud. All right. Well, that's nice. Red, white, and black options, $149.99. They have active noise cancellation, but it's not as good as AirPods Pro, but it is there. They charge via USB-C. They have no wireless charging. They implement Android's fast pair functionality. So, you know, then these are really made to be good for iOS and Android. These are the first Beats product in recent times that do not include either a H1 or W1 chip. Uh, It's just regular Bluetooth. So it lacks a lot of the software stuff, 
that you get from AirPods and other Beats products, like automatic pairing, sharing over iCloud and stuff like that. It does have, I don't know how to say it about triggering everyone. I'm just going to say it. It does have Hey Siri support, so that's built in somehow. And it also, they've replicated the setup UI that you get for AirPods in iOS, even though it doesn't have a H1 or W1 chip. <laughs> I saw that. I thought that was pretty interesting. Which is interesting. I yeah. mean, does it lack the chip? for price or are they just trying to like it's not price because they have cheaper products than these with those chips in them Hmm. i think so from reading around it seems like they may have done this so it can be a better experience for android Uh, hmm. but i don't know Hmm. but that's one of the, the the that is one of the beliefs of this system is that it's so it's good for android as well as for ios so I don't know, but that's the product. People seem to uh, like them, but they're not like a huge runaway success. Apparently, they're really light and comfortable because they, they're just like the little buds. Like, that's it. Um, so I guess if you... And they have a different sound signature as well. So friend of the show, Austin Evans, has a pair of these. And he was telling me that the noise cancellation isn't as good, but he actually prefers the way that these sound to AirPods because they're, they're tuned differently. They've got a bit more bass to them, and he likes that. He just prefers that. Okay. they got the beat sound, I assume. Yeah, they do have the beat sound. And that's I think that's a genuine reason to buy this product for some people, right? Oh, like yeah. If you like that sound, well, they still have that. Yeah, because I was struggling to understand why does this product exist when Apple sells AirPods. And I guess that's it. Like, if you want to have the Beats sound in a Beats product that is cheaper and sort of kind of works like and looks like AirPods, then you get it. So, yeah. I mean, not for me, but now that you've explained it, I think it makes more sense. And also, like, there are a lot of people in the world that have Android devices. And this is kind of like AirPods for Android that's not made by Samsung. Mm. Okay. So, you know, the case is apparently really nice and small. Um, and, you know, it's it has USB-C charging, right? It's just so it can be in a more wider ecosystem. So yeah. I think that's why they, they continue to make these products. That infuriates me that they, put, they, they will put USB on something like this so it's more universal. Mm-hmm. But if you have something with an iPhone, it gets lightning. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get it. You don't want to charge, mm-hmm. you know, with like a different cable, your headphones and your phone. Apple, just put USB-C on the phone. I think this honestly might be the start of uh, uh, an indication that AirPods are for iPhones and Beats are for Android. Hmm. Which isn't a bad idea, right? No, it's not. Right? Hmm. So I don't know. But hmm. this this could be what they're looking to do now. Maybe. Federico, are you uh, excited for these or are you waiting for other things? Uh, yeah, I, I don't particularly care about the Beats, um, this new Beats, but I am waiting for the new Sony uh, wireless earbuds. So the ones with the unspeakable name, the WF-1000XM4. This will be the new version of the previous uh, truly wireless um, Sony earbuds that we covered on the show a few months back. Um, there's a new version out, and it was very... Um, positively reviewed on The Verge. I've seen a bunch of other reviews on YouTube as well. I bought them and I'm waiting for them to be delivered. I I, I think sometime later this week, hopefully, um, 
I really prefer, I really liked the way that they sound, like the, the previous uh, generation model. Uh, they sound a lot better than AirPods Pro to me. And The Verge seems to confirm this as well with the new generation um, of these earbuds, which have a new design, and they are sort of like bean-shaped, um, and they have a new case. It doesn't support wireless charging, but it comes with USB-C, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to check them out, see how they sound. I still li like the way that you control AirPods Pro has grown on me, a lot over the years. Um, I, I really think that the gestures for, you know, pressing on the stem, they're really convenient and, and fast and, like, you don't have to think about it. And I'm slightly concerned that the Sony earbuds, which involve a tapping gesture, I'm a little concerned that going back to that is not going to be great. But I also want to see, like, I want to hear, I guess, how they sound and the noise cancellation, which The Verge also says it's really impressive and much better than AirPods Pro. So hmm. we'll see. Uh, should get them in a couple of days, I think. So maybe we can talk about the uh, these new Sony earbuds. Again, the WF-1000XM4 next week. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom, by SolarWinds. While you've been listening to this show, how would you know if your website had gone down? If customers were stuck, unable to click the buy button or fill out a form for a trial, you could stumble across this by luck, but that means you've already lost out on new customers. You need something to tell you when everything is running smoothly on your site, and more importantly, when it isn't. You need Pingdom. It detects around 13 million outages every single month. That's more than 400,000 outages a day. And for as low as $10 a month, Pingdom helps keep your sites online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company or anywhere in between. You need real-time alerts about critical website issues. Pingdom lets you customize how you're alerted via SMS, email, or even your team's collaboration apps. Pingdom even tracks and analyzes your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a website, it's simple. You need Pingdom. So take charge of monitoring your site in minutes. Go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and RelayFM. It's a sad day over here. Today I said goodbye to my yellow iMac review Aww. unit. That is sad. I was, I was heartbroken when I received an email this morning that said, we've arranged your collection. I was like, oh, man. <laughs> I should have said, no, I'm not, you know. <laughs> you to take it from my cold, dead hands. No, and it, this computer is now Wait, what hostage. does that mean? Does that mean they come to your office and, like, pry the door open and, like, and steal the iMac back? I mean, that's probably what they would do if I didn't box it up and give it to them. Yeah. Or you they know. just charge you for it. <laughs> they just like they have your Apple ID and you see a charge for like fifteen hundred dollars. The loan agreement does say they will charge you. I don't know how. Maybe they just keep sending like threatening letters to you or something. I don't know. I'm expecting this isn't a thing that they have to deal with very often. Um, but no. Uh, so I boxed it all up today. Oh uh, man! And now I'm back here with my Intel Mac Mini and my one monitor, and I hate it. I'm so sad. How has it been going back to an Intel Mac Mini? Actually, pretty bad. <laughs> so, 
I have gotten used to the speed of the M1. So um, on a desktop machine, mm-hmm. everything feels snappier just in general. And I was doing some editing earlier and it was, it was rough. It was not good. Like in Logic, uh, it's just not smooth. Like on with M1 Max, editing things in Logic is just a very smooth experience. But with Intel Max, no, all Intel Max, even my iMac Pro, I said this at the time when I was just reviewing the M1 uh, iMac, things just aren't one-to-one. Like I might drag something and it catches up with me and not smoothly, right? Like it would be like tick, tick, tick kind of thing. Um, and also the fan on this Mac Mini was screaming today. And I have heard that the fan on my iMac once in the month I used it. I don't remember what I was doing, but I knew it was something silly. Like it was not surprising that the fan was going. Mm -hmm. I I wished I could remember exactly what it was, um, but I don't remember what it was. Uh, I might be able to find it actually, because I know that I sent to you guys in a text that the fan was going. So maybe I can find it by... No, it's too difficult. (laughs) iMessage. iMessage search is so bad. It's bad. Oh wait, here we go. I just heard the fan in my iMac for the first time. Oh, I, nobody, nobody responded, so I didn't follow up. That's not mm. good for anyone, is it? <laughs> I mean, there maybe you, you were doing Final Cut because you just had a Cortex episode go up and doing the video. I don't or use something? Final Cut for that. I use uh, I use friend of the show Guillermo Rambo's Guillermo Rambo's Fusion Cost. Oh, that's a very for good making app. that stuff now, um, which is a very good app. It's just you give it audio, you give it an image, and it makes a video. So that's that's what I do for all that stuff now because using Final Cut for such a simple thing is really annoying. So yeah, I give I've given it back. I'm back down to one monitor, and I'm really sad about it. I kind of want to know what's next for you here. Like, are you gonna buy an iMac? Are you waiting for the you know the more powerful M1X as they're calling it based mm. uh, Macs like the new Mac Mini that they're doing with the more powerful chip, or are you waiting for the Mac Pro? Like, what's gonna happen to your studio next? Well, something that I've yet to divulge on to anyone uh, is that one day after the M1 iMac arrived, I ordered one. Ah, okay. <laughs> yeah, well. uh, I immediately fell in love with that yellow computer. Um, and unfortunately for me, the time when I chose to order one, they were just horrifically backordered. So mine, it's due to arrive on the 12th of July, and I ordered it a month ago. Uh, however, I did get charged today. So it might be coming sooner rather than later. What did you get? What spec? What color? So I went yellow. I wanted to get the exact one. Um, Apple Store app isn't good at showing you the spec, but I know I got a two terabyte hard drive or SSD. Okay. And I bumped up the RAM. Very cool. Yeah, I'm I'm very very excited about it, and I've I've worked out how now I think that this is going to fit into my rotation. So. That will come to the studio, and I will set that back up on the desk that I'm on right now. It'll be my recording computer. When Apple releases a professional computer of some description that I want, that will then come here, replacing the iMac. That iMac will then go home to become my home computer, and then the iMac Pro that's currently at home will be sold to help pay for the professional Macintosh that I buy that starts that loop. So I think I've got my like future set up now, but now it's kind of just waiting for more chips to fall. But having used it for a month, um, I think the, a lot of people were saying like this isn't a professional Mac. It is. 
this thing outperforms in many ways all the other Macs I own. Uh, it really can do the job. Like I could stick with that computer for a long time and I would be really happy as a professional doing professional work on it. Uh, and I miss it already. I Earlier today, I was setting up my Mac Mini and I use dark mode, right? And I have a screen that has a bunch of apps on it, like notes, craft, spark, messages, that kind of stuff, timery. And I use dark mode in all of those apps. And I was on that screen and I was like, oh man, why does everything look so dark? And I realized because there isn't a yellow border around it anymore. And it made me really sad. <laughs> I was like, oh. Yeah, I miss it, man. That computer, that that M1 iMac is it's just fantastic. Uh, and I already miss it having boxed it up. It's just such a glorious and fun computer. Yeah, I miss my orange one. Did you say As soon as I said I wished I wouldn't have said it, and I didn't want anyone to mention it. Uh, and I'm not having this conversation today. I mean, I can bleep it. You know what? That might be kind of fun. Yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and then maybe also this part. I don't know. It's up to you how you want to edit it. All right. Uh, we have a list of wacky iOS products to talk about. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how this came to be. Oh, yeah. Uh, this topic is called Mike Brings Products. And so I I feel like every now and then I collect up a selection of things that I found on the internet and just tell you about them. You do. Yes. This is one of those segments. The first one actually Federico sent to me, which is it's called Nightwatch. It is a $50 bedside glass orb. I like that phrase. I might just leave it there. Uh, no, it, it acts as a magnifying glass for your Apple Watch screen. So it's a dock. You put the watch behind it, and then the it's like lenticular, I think is the phrase, maybe? Yeah, yeah. And it basically appears to magnify the screen on your Apple Watch, turning it into an attractive bedside clock whilst also charging. You have to provide your own charger. And it also has a built-in, quote, acoustic amplifier, which I think they will probably just... I think we all used to have these of our iPods and phones back in the day, right? Like a dock that's made out of just one piece, yeah. but it's machined in such a way that it can make things sound louder, mm -hmm. so it can make your alarm louder. I think this is a very cute little uh, bedside thing. You know what this reminds me of? Um, you probably had it as a kid, Mike. One of those snap-on accessories for your Game Boy yep. where you were putting like this thing on top of the screen that would magnify the screen. And some of them, they also had a light uh, mm -hmm. in, built in so that you could play with the Game Boy at night and see things bigger. I had one of those for my original chunky Game Boy and I loved it. And this kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, I'm looking at a page on a website called thevintagegamers.com right now, which has okay, lots of images of a selection of these things. And yes, I definitely had one of these. <laughs> <laughs> that that thing, yes. Yeah. Oh, thevintagegamers.com sounds legit already as a website. Um, yeah, I had it. <laughs> uh, it looks how you would imagine it would. Yeah. <laughs> one of them says performance. <laughs> Just that. That's <laughs> <laughs> all you need to know. <laughs> Another is called the Light Boy which is perfect name. So as Apple Watch users, would either of you consider this product? I kind of want it, but I know that Sylvia will instantly complain about it. Okay. So I'm not going to purchase it. As in, I can't believe you've bought another thing to put your watch yes. on on this. Okay. Yes. How's the uh, Duo Dock doing for you? Oh, I love it. 
And in fact, we still love it. Yes, we want to buy a second one because Silvia is now tired of the Qi charging uh, sort of a the accessory that I was using before that I passed down to her. And now she also wants a MagSafe Duo uh, charger. Nice. It's perfect for travel. Like whenever we go to the beach house, we just need to fold the thing and put it in a bag. It's perfect for that. Uh, but yeah, still using it. I'm very happy with, with my setup. I've got one of the Studio Neat MagSafe docks and it has the Apple Watch charger next to it. And my wife and I have matching ones and they're great. Um, I mean, I like the way this looks. And I like that I could ha- use the glass orb as a weapon if it came to it, but oh yeah, I don't think it's for me. It's an interesting idea. You you could that thing. I bet it's got some real heft to oh, it. Oh yeah, you could you could clobber somebody with that thing. <laughs> uh, Long time listeners of the show will remember Zens. Ah. Uh, this was the company that made the air power like device that Federico bought that had a fan in it. That I realized later it had a fan mm. in it. That when was, you heard it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine putting your phone on a pad and suddenly you, you hear a fan. That was not, not a fun time. Yeah, and this is Apple didn't put a fan in the air power, which is why it caught on fire. Also that. Yeah. Zens are back with another uh, wild device for MagSafe. They have four MagSafe battery packs Okay. that have various features, which I will now tell you about. They have the Zep 01M. This is a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, which is about enough to charge uh, an iPhone 12 all the way to the tippy top and a little bit extra. It attaches via MagSafe and you can charge, right? Great. Then they have the Zep 02M. This one can be charged via Qi charging, which is also 4,000 milliamp hours. I expect would take about six years to charge a 4,000 milliamp hour battery via Qi charging. <laughs> I feel like that because it's not going to go at fast Qi charging. No. It's going to be slow. Zep 03M. This one has a Qi charger of its own, so you can recharge wow. another device on the opposite side. This is getting confusing. Um, so <laughs> right, so you can MagSafe your phone to the to the Zep 03M, and then you could charge your AirPods on the other side. Now It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why would you do this? Well, it, you have to think at that moment, you would have to keep your phone face down on a flat <laughs> <Exactly>. surface. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, you can do it. I guess you don't have to charge them at the same time, right? You could charge your AirPods, just place them on the thing. But the, okay. Hmm. Then they have the Zep 04M, which is a 10,000 milliamp hour battery that has no Qi charging of any kind. So it's a very confusing lineup of products. I mean, not a surprise coming from Zens. Um, and, and all of these, they attach magnetically to the phone, so they they kind of they attach to the phone. I think you're thinking of this the wrong way around. I think the phone attaches to it, right? Because well, it's going to be heavier than your phone, so you right. will hold the battery and then the chuck, right? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, but they are magnetic. But the phone attaches to it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, sure. Right? I was kind of hoping that Apple would come up with a MagSafe battery pack. Something like, I don't know, a, a thicker uh, MagSafe wallet, which is also a battery. Like, something like that. We mentioned it a while back. But man, this is a thick battery. Like, real chunky. I mean, look at the photo. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. The proportions of the photo are kind of weird because the, the AirPods case looks giant compared to the phone. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure this is real. But also, that's not the 10,000 milliamp hour one. That's the 4,000 milliamp hour one. Uh, and you'll see if there is a very handy graphic 
uh, on the ten thousand looks Im- enormous. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how it would work uh, with one of the phones that has the um, the, the camera bump. I don't know if it. You, fit. you have to sand off the camera bump. <laughs> Does it have a fan? Um, pr- you probably don't need a fan for a battery pack. Are you sure? It's Zens. They love That's true. Fans. Maybe it's snuck in there. I don't know. I don't see a fan, but you never know. I have one more product okay. for you. Okay. Okay. It is the Satechi Aluminium Stand and Hub for iPad Pro. Okay. Yeah, this is This cool. is a $99.99. Uh, it's just under $100. It's a stand for your desk. It doesn't have height adjustment, but it has a little... Um, it's like a dock with a stand on it. You can put your iPad on it and angle it. It has angle adjustment. Seems pretty low to the desk. I wouldn't want to use this on the desk, personally. It's just like having uh, your iPad in a smart cover or something, so it's not got a lot of high adjustment at all. You can connect it via a flexible USB-C cable, which comes out of the little dock, which is smart because that's going to get around the uh, Kensington Studio dock problem. Um, it has HDMI, USB-A, USB-C, headphone jack, micro SD, and SD card readers and you can also close it up and not use the stand part and just use it as a dock if you want to i think this is pretty nice looking yeah this is a cool little product i think it looks very cool i agree with you on the like i'm not sure i would be able to work with this at a desk because i would be staring down at the screen all the time and that's not great for my neck uh but I think it looks really cool and the folding part and the fact that you can use it as a dock is really clever Mm mm-hmm Speaking of this, I've done something that I can officially reveal on the show. I make it sound so fancy. It's really not. Yeah, I can't wait. It's really not an announcement. I don't know why I said that. Stop the show. Federica has an announcement. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, it's just uh, a few days ago, I, you know, I, I was upset at the lack of external display support features in iPadOS 15. And I was looking at my desk. And I was looking at that Thunderbolt dock that I bought a while back. And I was really happy. And 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 I was really convinced that, oh, little Thunderbolt dock, you're going to be so useful this summer with iPadOS 15. But nope. And, you know, I was upset and I was annoyed. And I realized I don't need this anymore. At least not this summer. Not with iPadOS 15. Sylvia already, did, like, Sylvia disliked it by default it's just oh yeah great another thing on your desk and it was a combination of those things that made me realize why am i using it Mm. i bought it convinced that i was going to be able to create this new setup with my ipad and the mac mini and thunderbolt support and the external display but nothing has changed in iPadOS 15, so I have removed the dock from my desk and i've gone back to the basic setup mac mini with a USB-C cable that goes into the uh, ultra-fine display, and I'm just going to use my iPad with the magic keyboard, as always. That was a setup of optimism, wasn't it? Yes. Yes, it was. Maybe next year. We'll see. But uh, I'm tired of this, like, oh, maybe next year. Nah. So I just got rid of it. I put it in a drawer somewhere in my house, and uh, we'll, see. we'll see in the future. But uh, it, was really sad. it was a really sad moment. You know, going from all that optimism a few weeks ago to this is really sad. Now I'm just hopeful that external display... (laughs) (laughs) Supply support. External... Come on, buddy, you can do it. Display support. Supply support. 
<laughs> uh, now I'm just hopeful that'll be like the 15.4 spring update. Uh, I mean, Jason was saying something along those lines on, on upgrade, like all the pieces are now in place for Apple to just say, and now we're flipping the switch and here you go, external display support. And if you're a developer, your app works on it by default, but there's a few optimizations you can make with this API. Like I can see that because they did that with a pointer uh, last year. But I'm also kind of tired of, you know, setting up my desk and changing my life in preparation for these things that it may eventually happen. So things are the way they are right now. And uh, it is what it is. And so, yeah, back to Mac Mini and Ultrafine and iPad with the Magic Keyboard we go. You both have returned to Mac Mini life this week. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for both of us. It's sad. This is the sad Mac Mini episode. It's sad. It's really sad. It's like... You're staring at these computers and there's nothing you can do about them. Also, you talk to them and they don't respond because they're computers, right? Mm. It's like, it's very sad. All very sad. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Text Expander from Smile. Text Expander removes the repetition out of work so you can focus on what matters most. Say goodbye to repetitive text entry, spelling errors, and trying to remember the right thing to say. When you use Text Expander, you can say the right thing in just a few keystrokes. It's better than copy and paste and better than scripts and templates because it allows you to maximize your time by getting rid of the repetitive things you type while still customizing and personalizing your messages. It can be used on any platform and any app anywhere you type. I've used Text Expander for approximately 250 years. I really could not work without it. Uh, something that I just did, I had a bunch of different snippets for support URLs. So if someone has a membership question, I could send them to the right page. And I recently redid that in a way where I can just do one snippet and the text expander lets me pick the URL that I want. Uh, really easy, really fast to do. And it makes supporting our members all that much easier. As a listener of Connected, you can get 20% off your first year. Visit textexpander.com podcast to learn more. That's textexpander.com slash podcast. Our thanks to Text Expander from Smile for their support of the show and Relay FM. Federico, you made a promise last week to the passionate ones mm. that you would talk about iPad multitasking this week. And I'm a man of my word, and I'm going to talk you about it. I, I want to talk about it. So okay. I, I, I've installed the beta of iPadOS 15 right after the keynote, as soon as it became available, and I've been using iPadOS 15 for the past 10 days or so, and I have some thoughts. And I kind of wanted to talk about them with you guys to try and understand what we're looking at here in terms of the multitasking changes and how you feel about them. And I kind of broke this up in, in different sections to try and cover all the different changes that Apple made this year. And I wanted to start from the very basics. So the new multitasking indicator, um, the, little th- the, the three little dots that you see at the top of a window in iPadOS 15. Uh, you see them if you're using a full screen app and you see two of those indicators if you're using a split view. And when you tap that indicator, uh, you see this sub-menu that sort of pops down from, from, the, from the icon uh, that contains um, three buttons for taking the selected app in full screen, putting it in split view or switching it to slide over. And this indicator also serves, like it serves two roles, is both a multitasking control as well as an active app indicator. And right there, I just want to mention something. Uh, The fact that 
in previous versions of iPadOS, it was really tricky to tell which app is the currently active one, meaning it's receiving keyboard input, for example. It was already hard to tell before, right? Apple made some changes, I believe, last year, where they made the previous indicator, which was like this little pulling indicator, slightly darker, but I don't think that was enough. And it seems like they're sticking to this uh, sort of to, to these visuals where the active app gets slightly darker, you know, three little dots. I was kind of hoping they would use color or some stronger indication for, you know, also because color is not great for colorblind, colorblind people, for example, but some other stronger visual cue as to which app of the two in a split view is the active one. Right now, it just gets slightly darker, which I don't think is good enough. Better than nothing. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little better than the previous one. But when I'm working and I want to know what app I'm in, most of the time I'm looking at a text field, which may be at, towards the bottom of the screen. And like, I don't know, like at the top, it's kind of stashed away. I, I, they could go further. Mm. Mm. I, I feel like it's a good change, like the, the fact that you can tap the indicator and you see, uh, you see, okay, there's a button for full screen, there's another for split view, like you have visual controls. I think that's a positive change. A lot of people used to complain about the sort of the secret operations of iPadOS and how you needed to perform these, you know, hidden gestures uh, to trigger split view or slide over. Like, oh, you need to grab an icon and slide it to the edge of the screen, but not so far that it becomes, a, you know, a split view like, if you want to do slide over, you need to drop the icon in between the apps. Like, it was all very complicated to explain. And so I feel like having a menu that you can see and you can click, mm -hmm. definitely a positive change. Um, I don't think, or I should say, I don't know if this is um, enough in terms of does it work well to visually communicate you know i'm using notes in safari and notes is the one receiving input at the moment like is there maybe a better way to design that aspect i don't know but overall as a as an interaction mechanism for triggering split view and slide over i think it works pretty well um obviously the other sort of big change in iPadOS is that you can do all of this from the keyboard Right? There are, there's a, a new set of system-wide keyboard shortcuts for uh, activating um, split view, slide over, taking apps full screen, uh, showing the app library, all sorts of system features you can now trigger from the, key, from the keyboard. And they are using the globe key on the Magic Keyboard as a special modifier for these keyboard shortcuts. So for example, if you do a globe control left, uh, you can slide an app to the left. And when you do that, you see the animation, the app slides into the left corner of the screen and you see the home screen on the right. So you can pick a different app and you create a split view. So they've, got, they, they've sort of listened to feedback from, from people over the past few years saying, yeah. 
there should really be an easier way to to pick applications when you want to create a split view mm -hmm. rather than just having to drag and drop stuff all the time. Because basically in the older model, unless you had an icon in your dock already, it was basically impossible to create a split view with other apps. Um, and now it's easier because you can just see your home screen. Yeah, and people would have a folder of all of their apps in the dock, yes. right? Which is like getting around the system. Oh, I just realized I don't need that folder anymore. Mm -mm. Now it can go so away. I have a space back because because you use the app library. Uh, and the I guess the other thing that's just worth mentioning for people that haven't used it is it's not just that you see your home screen. You effectively can open an app any way you can open an app, and it will replace that. Uh, second app so you can use a spotlight search or you can pick something from the dock or from app library or anywhere in theory that that was what i was getting to huh. uh, so let me ask you this simple question you're using safari uh, you want to create a split view with safari on the left and notes on the right but you want to do it all with the keyboard mm -hmm. how do you do it you press globe could shift or whatever it is left mm -hmm. then do a spotlight search mm -hmm. and then open the app and it will replace it on the and one I, side okay i hope you will be right i am right. In, okay it was working for me and then it stopped working like oh, okay no this ha this works for me every time the problem i had was trying to think i could start it by spotlight searching that isn't how exactly it works. exactly so you have to start with the go away application and then use the spotlight search and it will it will bring it up and i think apple got this sort of backwards um because i, I was hoping that they will listen to uh your suggestion that you and gray discussed years ago in an old episode of cortex where you proposed this idea that i've been thinking about for a long time which i continue to believe is a really good idea where if you're using an application in full screen on your ipad the most natural way to start uh to to create a split view with the keyboard mm -hmm. is to say okay spotlight find the app press a combination of keys to put the result you know the the app that you highlight in spotlight in split view but apple did this kind of backwards instead so the idea is of oh, first you hide the app yes and you say i want to create a split view and then you search which yeah if it works reliably, I don't know why it was working for me, then it stopped working. I basically cannot... I told you about this and then it stopped working for me. So I don't know. <laughs> Beta 1. Beta it's, 1. You know, it's Yeah, fun. it's been working reliably for me. Because it was the first thing I checked was if I spotlight search and then do that globe sh shift left, will it... I don't know if it's shift, I don't remember. Option? It's a control. Control, uh, whatever it is, uh, the that it would put it on the left or right for me, but it didn't. So you just have to like, I've, and I've gotten pretty used to it. Just like I, I just start a search differently now. But I still think that there's space to do this. Like y you could still use the globe key, like in Spotlight, if you're in use the globe key and then do like globe shift left, maybe that could open it from Spotlight and put it where you put it where you want it. But honestly, like it might not be the easiest way. But I'll take it because they've given me a way to do something that I want and I just have to get used to it. But I have that feature that I've wanted for years now. So in theory, this will be possible, right? Mm -hmm. uh, to do it all with the keyboard, which is another positive change. You can now also control split view 
with shortcuts. You can make shortcuts that combine two apps together in a split view. And this is great because it lets me, um, like I've been able to, I don't know that you, Mike, you've been doing the same thing. Like you can create shortcuts that sort of prepare your iPad for a specific um, mm. you know, task. Like I'm doing show notes and I want to see Safari and notes together, for example, or Safari and craft. And now you can create a shortcut that does that for you. And so you remove a bit of manual interaction from the process, which is nice. My problem with this right now is that Shortcuts has no concept of multiple windows for the same application. So when you say uh, create split view with Safari and Notes, if you have multiple Safari windows open, shortcuts cannot, you cannot specify, oh, create a split view, but with this specific Safari mm. window, right? Shortcuts just defaults to the last active window when you want to create a split view, which seems to me like it's sort of counterintuitive to to the work that Apple did with multi-window support this year. And it wouldn't be nice if you could say, yes, create a split view, but with this specific Safari window that I already mm. have in my system. Sort of, I think it would help to have this more fixed workspaces, if you will. Like I'm going to have a window that contains two tabs for connected and relay FM. And I want to have this specific note that's, uh, you know, just for connected show notes. And this is the kind of knowledge that iPadOS has because you can see these windows, right? You can, you can see them in the app switcher. You can see them on, in the shelf, which I'm going to talk about shortly, but shortcuts doesn't. So maybe that's something that Apple could improve. Let me ask you a question. Like, would you be happy if... It gave you a U, like so. It gave you a UI to choose. Like so, sure. imagine like if you opened it and it's like, which Safari window do you want? It's just like one more tap. I would, I would personally prefer to choose it beforehand. Of course. Um, and if the window doesn't exist anymore, then just fall back to the last active window. Um, or I could see also something like, yes, do it, but create a new window, like as a parameter. Like I would, I would like to configure the action beforehand. Um, but other, yeah, maybe also choosing the window upon running the shortcut would be would be uh, a good compromise, maybe. I like that you can also do slide over in shortcuts as well. It's not just split yes. apps. Um, yes. I also like that the shortcut for app splitting, you can choose the the ratio. Um, of like how much of the screen do you want to, to give one app over the other? I like that right. all of that stuff can be pre-programmed. Uh, and before we talk about the shelf, I just wanted to mention the um, just how slide over um, works right now. Like nothing has changed in terms of there's still this concept of a floating tiny window called the slide over window and you can stack multiple slide over windows together and you can flip between them sort of like a stack of cards um, but now you can also see those windows and you can see that they are slide over windows meaning they're tiny. Uh, you can see them in the app switcher. They are in on the right side of the app switcher, and you can close them from there. Uh, you can you can switch back to them. Uh, I think it's all very nice. And obviously, when you select a slide over window, you you still have the same controls uh, that we mentioned before. So you can say uh, take this to split view or take this full screen and all of that. And all these changes, they do not replace. I feel like we should mention this. They do not replace the previous system based on drag and drop, right? The old, the old way of operating the iPad 
is still available. It's all still working. And I still find myself relying on that out of muscle memory. Um, but you can Sometimes still it is just faster to just grab an app out of the dock that way. Yeah. Sometimes when if touching the screen isn't a problem, uh, it, it, it's easier to do it that way. And I think this is the right approach, right? I wrote last year in my uh, iOS review in the iPad chapter, I wrote how going forward, I think all iPad features should be designed with multiple input methods in mind. And so this is the right approach. Yeah. Don't say just, oh, and now this can be done from the keyboard. No, every major iPad feature should as much as possible, try to support all the different input methods that you have on iPad. That is very smart because you've got touch, right, as you say, and you've got keyboard, and then the new little pill, which probably has a name, that's with the trackpad, right? Yeah. Super and, and smart. I said this on App Stories, and I'm going to repeat this here. I think that Quick Note, which I want to talk about in a few minutes, um, the new system-wide sort of a, a Quick Note system for Apple Notes, that feature, I truly believe, is the first post-Magic keyboard feature in that it's a, it's a brand new functionality that out of the box, it works with a keyboard shortcut, with the Apple Pencil, with touch, and... Um, yeah, that's it. That's a, the three input methods on, on iPad, right? Oh, and with Safari selections even. So it's even in the copy and paste menu. That's a new feature that didn't exist before. And Apple is launching this feature with support for all kinds of input methods out of the box. Have you worked out how to bring it up with touch? Control center. Oh, I thought they said something about swiping from the bottom. Uh, with the pencil. Oh. Yeah. The company that used to not let you swipe from the edges with the pencil now has a feature where you swipe from the edge with the pencil. <laughs> yeah. But that's like, it's kind of funny to me. The worst way to invoke Quick Note is with your finger. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Which I is mean, hilarious for the iPad. Yeah, it kind of is. But I think they ran out of multitask, multi-touch <laughs> gestures, right? Yeah. Because yeah. the three, the, it's kind of, yeah, the three and four finger swipes are, are reserved for multitasking. So uh, I guess control center made sense as a, you would have been better with the shelf, but I digress. Um, it kind of, it right. kind of sucks to, to, you have to, you have to like swipe, press this button and it'll open. It's not very quick anymore. That's a, <laughs> a note. Like it genuinely at that point, isn't it like it's faster to bring up the notes app, right? Especially if you had it in slide over, but then I guess you don't get the quick note features. Yeah, yeah, you don't get the contextual stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I like all this. I've been playing with it uh, on an iPad Pro as well. And once you internalize the keyboard shortcuts, it is pretty fast to zip around, uh, partially because your hands don't have to leave the keyboard. But drag and drop just felt slow, right? Like you're holding up and you've got to hover for a second and it intuits where you want it to go and... The multi-control or multi-app, like window control and the keyboard shortcuts take some of that messiness out of it. And it feels it feels like once I've internalized these, I'm not going to be surprised when an app accidentally goes and slide over again. This episode of Connected is brought to you by Bombus. Lots of things can make workouts hard. Extra resistance, double speed, that one more mile. Your socks shouldn't, though. That's why Bombas Performance Socks are built to be nothing but comfortable and supportive. 
Bombas Performance Socks have taken all the amazing innovations that make Bombas the most comfortable socks you've ever worn, and then they've added their special Hex Tech Performance technology. You may be thinking, what do I need my socks to be doing when I'm working out? Well, they're stitched with a special moisture-wicking yarn and temperature-regulating vents that allow cool airflow in to prevent foot overheating, which is not what you want. They come with a pillow-like tab to save you from blisters and stay-up technology to stop that super annoying thing when your socks slip down. That's the worst. They have a special arch-hugging system and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. It's pretty much the dream workout sock. I've got a bunch of these, and I they're so comfortable. I, I can't wear anything else when I'm working out. They have different styles for different sports with specific design features to help you optimize performance and keep you comfortable no matter what you're doing. And don't forget, like all of their socks, for every pair of Bombas Performance socks you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 45 million pairs of socks so far. So you can feel great working out knowing that you're supporting someone in need. Go to bombas.com slash connected today and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S, bombas.com slash connected for 20% off. One more time, bombas.com slash connected. Our thanks to Bombas for their support of our feet, support of the show, and all of Relay FM. I wanted to say on Bombas one thing else is uh, they have lots of really good colors and patterns along all of their sock lines, and they're really fun, and they're not boring at all, and I love that. Mine today are gray, uh, and then they're green around the top, and I, I love them. I got some ones that are like blue and orange stripey ones, too. I have blue with a yellow chevron in the middle, which is very fun. And what a great word chevron is, too. It's a good word. I have some real-time follow-up from the iPad OS uh, preview page. Start a quick note with a keyboard shortcut from Control Center or with a swipe up from the corner using your finger or Apple Pencil. Oh, so it does work with your finger from well, the corner. Well, it doesn't, but it should. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, that's why it wasn't yeah. working in, in right now. Okay. Oh well, that's good news. So there's gonna be a quick activation with your finger too. So that that's nice. Um, all right. So I want to cover the shelf. So the shelf became sort of a sort of a um, an in joke here on Connected um, because of my obsession with this feature that I dreamed up as a concept years ago. There's going to be a link in the show notes to that concept. Uh, this is not the kind of shelf that I imagined. So the shelf in iPadOS 15 is not a clipboard manager. It's not a place where you can drop stuff like text clippings or images or links. The shelf is just a, a, a window picker. It's the, the, the window picker that you see in individual apps. So the shelf is literally just a way to choose windows yeah. for the app that you just opened. Um, you can invoke the shelf with the keyboard shortcut or, and this is, I feel like, one I want to ask you guys um, about, you see the shelf by default every time you open an app on your iPad that has multiple windows open. You, when whenever you open an app like Safari and you have multiple Safari windows, you see the shelf along the bottom by default every time. And then as soon as you interact with the app, the shelf goes away, but you see it every time you switch to an app that has multiple windows. How do you guys feel about that? I don't understand what it's doing. Okay. I don't understand what the <laughs> UI is. I don't know how to get rid of it, and I don't know how to bring it back. I don't get it. Okay. So I'm not 
defending the shelf here. I'm just explaining what it is and what it does. <laughs> yeah, you are. The <laughs> idea, the idea, I think. So Apple, uh, I think Apple is trying to go for a specific workflow here, and there maybe they have maybe designed this feature with a lot of optimism in mind. So the idea is, oh, you're working on your iPad, you have all these windows for the same app open on your system. Now, whenever you open that application, we're going to make it easy for you to switch between windows by showing you this shelf by default. Otherwise, you can always press command control down, I think, and you will see the shelf with all your uh, thumbnails for the windows that you want to that you want to switch to. Which, I mean, I get it. It's like it, it's an easier way. It's it's a more compact way to switch between multiple windows, right? Mm -hmm. But I feel like the timing, like showing the shelf by default, is a, maybe a bit aggressive, like. I'm not sure I want to see that UI every single time I open an app that has multiple windows. I feel like switching between windows should be more of an sort of on-demand type thing. Like, I want to see the Windows Switcher UI when I know that I want to pick between multiple windows. And instead, yeah. Apple is showing you that by default. I'm not particularly opposed to the, to the design of it. Like, I think it's nice and and cute like the thumbnails are in real time like if you scroll a window you see the thumbnail update in real time if you scroll a page it's cool and you can close windows from there and you can drag those thumbnails and you can turn them into windows like you can you can grab a window from the shelf and you can make it a split view for example um but i just wonder like this idea of displaying the shelf by default, is it the right one? Could maybe Apple tweak the timing of it going away a bit more? Because I feel like it sticks around too long and sometimes it, it doesn't go away at all. Uh, again, all of this is, this entire conversation is with the context of beta one, right? We are aware that this is the first version. We shouldn't say that, but we should because people are gonna tweet at us. Um, I don't know. I think it's kind of confusing in places also. Like the old expose view is still around. Like if you open the app switcher on your iPad, running iPadOS 15, and you right click, um, say on Safari in your dock, and you click show all windows, you see the old expose UI, right? The idea is with that menu, you can sort of filter the app switcher to show you all the windows for, in this case, Safari. But Apple basically got rid of the previous in-app expose view. That's not around anymore. It's been replaced by the shelf. The thing that, that gets me about this is that it's like in addition to the dock, and I, I am mm -hmm. not saying that they should just copy the way macOS does it, but let me explain the way macOS does it and let you yes, decide please. for yourself. If they did it once, maybe they should take some inspiration. <laughs> so if you have five Safari windows and you minimize them into the dock and then you hide Safari, they, the minimized thumbnails disappear and you come back to Safari and they reappear. So you can have 
sets of open but not active windows in the dock, and the dock is contextually aware of what application you're in. I understand that the dock on the iPad is different than on the Mac. I think it's more similar now than it was before when you had to have apps in there to get into multitasking. But I just don't see the need for this to be yet another UI element. Uh, You know, take all the other stuff you said away, right? Which it is confusing. I don't understand why it's there sometimes and how to get it back, all that stuff. But why not combine it with the dock so when you're in that app all the things are at the very bottom and the dock's just one swipe away or a single keyboard shortcut away and also like on the mac you can right click an icon in the dock and the all the uh, open windows are listed in Mm -hmm. the menu yep whereas if you right click an icon in ipadOS you see the quick actions menu and you see show all windows wouldn't it be easier to just see the windows right there I don't know. I guess that Apple was, they're going for a more visual approach because the thing about the shelf is it also shows you the different types of windows. And this is where I think a lot, where it can get really confusing for people switching from a desktop operating system to the iPad. It's this idea of having different types and shapes of windows, right? Because the shelf also shows you slide over windows. And this new type of window that they are introducing in iPadOS 15 called the center window or the prominent window. So this is a new type, a new shape of a window that right now you can see it in mail and notes. The center window is basically is what it says in the name. It's a window that opens in the center of the screen. And so when you click uh, open a new window on an email message or a note, in iPadOS 15, that item opens in the center of the screen as like a pop-up. And that's a center window, which is a new type of window this year. And the center window, <laughs> and I know that I'm adding more and more details to this conversation, but hey, it's not my fault. Um, <laughs> this center window comes with a fourth icon in the multitasking control tray, the, the three little dots, there's a fourth icon just for center windows. I haven't come across this yet. Yeah, th- that fourth button basically says make this a regular window. And it's totally not clear. Uh, okay. And it's also why I wonder, should that multitasking tray have text labels underneath the icons <laughs> to explain what the shapes are and what the shapes do? Um <laughs> But yeah, you can turn a center window into a split view, into a slide over. It shows up in the shelf and it comes with its own multitasking control. Now, is this too many types of windows? Like, my concern is that, so a, a lot of folks say, oh, Apple should do freeform multitasking and freeform windowing on, on iPadOS. And I tweeted this today a sort of bait on Twitter. So I wanted to send this tweet showing the worst case scenario or best case scenario. It was kind of like a Rorschach test, basically. And I didn't say anything. Like, I didn't embed my opinion in the tweet. I just wanted to, to see how people would respond to it. Uh, it was a screenshot of, an, of iPadOS 15 showing all kinds of windows open at the same time. Split view, the shelf, slide over, picture-in-picture video, and a quick note. 
And I asked, have we approached desktop territory here? And you can see in the replies that there's plenty of folks saying, uh, it's great that iPadOS 15 lets me do this. And folks who are saying, oh, I cannot believe that Apple brought this complexity to iPadOS. They should just do what they do on the desktop. Now, I do think it's great that we have this kind of freedom. But my concern is when people say Apple should just do freeform windowing and, and uh, you know achieve true complexity in iPadOS, haven't they done that already but like in a slightly different way because it's like, I, like controlled I, chaos yes at this point i wonder what's with the you know all these different types of windows oh it can be a split view window or it can be a slide over window. like having all these names and all these fixed places like is it really all that useful at this point like I understand that the like split view means it can be 50-50 or 70-30. Slide over means it's floating. Picture in picture means it's video. Um, quick note is its own thing. But like at this point, we do have desktop complexity, but we also have these weird limitations to deal with. And my final thought here is maybe the answer is lying in plain sight and the answer in a potential future could be that little quick note window that you see. See, the quick note window is a little special in that besides being exclusive to Apple Notes, it also behaves like picture-in-picture -picture for video. So essentially, quick note is picture-in-picture -picture for multitasking, right? You can throw it around the screen, you can stack multiple quick notes together and you can resize it. Like you can resize it, uh, a video with picture in picture. It's like pinch, you pinch uh, to yeah, resize pinch it, right? To, to yeah. resize. Like you don't have free form sort of resize controls, but you have multiple sizes. And so I wonder maybe, like maybe that's a good compromise. Like maybe that's a good solution for the future where we can get rid of all these different terms and names and fixed places for windows and maybe you could just say look we're not gonna give you like a resize arrow control to grab a window by its corner on, on like on the mac we're not gonna give you that on ipad but everything can be floating or it can be taken full screen or you know you you can make it bigger i would like some snapping of, of, of stuff too and maybe there's, because I feel like right now we have too many systems and too uh -huh. many boxes, right? Too too many, oh, it can be this or it can be that or it can be that, but not that, right? We have these too many areas. I'm not sure how to describe them, right? Too many structures in place at the moment. And, and I just wonder if maybe more freedom would actually be simpler at this point. Let me ask you a question. Think about this one for a minute. Not a minute. That's a lot of time to think this about something. Do you think that you could potentially be suffering from like the reviewer's dilemma here? That you oh, have yeah. to get your head around this in a way that maybe users don't need to? Yeah. Like I've never like I, yes, <laughs> okay. Because like when I, I don't feel like I'm finding things as complex because the stuff that 
I don't care about. I'm just not going to bother with. Like the shelf is pointless to me. I don't care about it, right? I'm just going to get rid of it every time because like that UI is dumb. I don't need to feel like I have to understand it. Do you know what I mean? Like the, 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 it's in needing to name it. Like I have to rationalize all these things for my job. Yes. And that's a very good point, actually. And the regular user is not going to do this. They're just going to use the device. Because the part of the problem for you is that I can already feel is you need to assign names to these things yeah, and or, or use the names that are assigned to them and explain them in text. And that is a really hard thing to do. Yeah. 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 But, but I also like, I, so I totally agree with you. But I also feel like it is true that we have, at the moment, I think we have too many systems in place. Like, what the difference between split view and slide over, uh, it's starting to grow old for me because I feel like Apple did all these things this year, but they really haven't changed, right, the, the fundamentals of the... the the, the, the basic structure of multitasking on iPad. It can be full screen, split view, and slide over. But now they have these exceptions to the rule, right? Oh, it can also be a center window, and it can be, a, you know, a video can be picture in picture, and notes, it can be a quick note. Like, it's these exceptions that make me question the rule. Yeah, I have the, the feeling that if this doesn't work, they're going to be forced to go back to the drawing board. Like this really is just scaffolding or, you know, whatever analogy you want. It's yeah. more on top of the system we've had. Yes. And it makes that system better. But to your point, it also makes it yes. more complex. Like, I just don't, if this isn't the one, like all that's left is windowing, <laughs> right? Or, or some sort of snapping thing. I just, I can't help but think that this is the last chance this entire paradigm has to work. I mean, I do think this is the best version of this six-year-old system. I, I agree. And I just wanted to say that I agree with that. Like, uh, this is a very tough thing to design for, like multitasking and Windows. Like, it's along with file managers, it's probably one of the most challenging things to design in an operating system. Well, it is challenging if you don't want freeform Windows. Right. Yes. If you're trying to move the ball forward, which they are, they're trying to make multitasking and multi-window more accessible. I would argue they actually haven't done that, but yeah, yeah, carry on. Yeah, I, I think that there is a challenge. Like the freeform windows on iPad is a really difficult design challenge, especially six years ago. It was right. They couldn't have launched multitasking and said, you can now have freeform windows on iPad. No, no developers would have gone in for that, the amount of work it would have needed. And now, like maybe over time, as they've added other functionalities, it might become closer to being possible. I don't know. I do think they made it more accessible this year with the multitasking menu for most people. And I think the keyboard stuff is excellent. It's, I, I, I mostly get confused because of what Mike said, like in having to explain the subtle differences between what's a slide over window and what's a center window. Like, I, I think that could, I don't know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, right? Well, this is beta one. I'm sure, well, I'm not sure. I think it's likely there's going to be tweaks to this system and especially the shelf. So I want to revisit this topic 
in the you know over the next couple of months. But I'm I'm fascinated by this entire idea of we're not changing the system. This is more options for the same system. And I want to see how it goes. Sounds like a fun summer to me. Mm. <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm not the one writing the review. Uh, if, if you want to find links to stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website at relay.fm slash connected slash 350. Before we let you go, I want to tell you about another show here on Relay FM, and that is Automators. If you want your devices to work for you, you're going to really love Automators. Join David Sparks and Rosemary Orchard at relay.fm slash automators or search for it wherever you get your podcast. You can find all of us online. You can find Federico at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I on Twitter. And you can find him, of course, at maxstories.net. Mike is on Twitter as I-M-Y-K-E. And he's on a whole bunch of shows here on Relay FM. Mike, I'm really enjoying the newest Cortex. Good job there. Thank you. Uh, learning a lot about uh, Magic the Gathering. I didn't know. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that, but, you know, that's how these things go sometimes. It's true. Uh, you can find me on Twitter as ISMH and my writing over at 512pixels.net. I'd like to thank our sponsors this week, Pingdom, Smile, and Bombas. Until next time, guys, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.